0: All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, news briefing.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your top stories this Wednesday afternoon. Perth company Perdaman has commenced work on its giant urea project in the Pilbara after gaining backing from global infrastructure partners. The global fund manager has committed to invest over $2.1 billion in the project through an equity investment. With the project having a total budget of $6.4 billion, the investment is likely to make GIP the project's largest shareholder alongside perdaman The project has also secured debt funding from 12 commercial lenders and two government agencies, being the Northern Australia Infrastructure Facility and Export Finance Australia. 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 Today's announcement caps off nearly a decade of work by Perdiman and its executive chairman Vikas Rambal to get the project underway. Its facility, to be constructed on the Borat Peninsula near Karatha, will be one of the largest urea plants in the world, with annual production of 2.3 million metric tonnes. On completion of the project, expected in 2027, Perdaman will become Australia's leading fertiliser producer. Perdiman said the facility would help address the growing demand for high-quality fertilisers and reduce the nation's reliance on urea imports, which total about 2.4 million tonnes per year. The facility will process gas from Woodside's Scarborough project, while the urea will be sold to fertilizer company Incitec Pivot, which inadvertently revealed the project's financial close in an ASX release last week. The project will create around 2,000 jobs during the four-year construction phase and 200 permanent operational jobs in Caratha. And in other news, the state government plans to reduce waiting times in emergency departments by introducing targets described as stretched but realistic in a bid to ease pressure on the health system. Health Minister Amber Jade Sanderson today announced the state government would commit $74.9 million in the upcoming state budget as part of four major reforms. These include establishing a Western Australian Virtual Emergency Department and implementing the first phase of a state health operations centre, dedicated hospital teams to address discharge delays and reducing long-stay patients awaiting aged care or NDIS support. Hospitals will be asked to report on the new targets and KPIs will be introduced in line with the Australasian College of Emergency Medicine recommended hospital access targets. A spokesperson for ACEM said WA would be the first state in the country to implement the targets, which include having 100% of people out of emergency units within 12 hours. Ms. Sanderson said the expanded KPIs and reporting targets would be introduced in WA hospitals this year. The current WA emergency access target requires 90% of all patients presenting to a public hospital emergency department to be seen, admitted, transferred or discharged within four hours. And in other news, Perth has recorded the lowest price rises of all Australian capitals in the March quarter, as inflation eased across the country. Today's numbers will be a key factor in the Reserve Bank of Australia's interest rate decision next week. Nationally, inflation was 7% in the year to March, according to new data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. The central bank targets an inflation rate of between 2 to 3%. ABS head of price statistics Michelle Marquois said the consumer price index had slowed in the March quarter and was the lowest rise of prices since December 2021. She said while prices continue to rise for most goods and services, many of these increases were smaller than they had been in recent quarters. It may come as a relief for consumers in Perth, with the city consistently suffering price rises higher than most of the country. However, in the three months to March, Perth had the lowest inflation of any capital. And that's all from me this afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, Matt Mackenzie and Isabel Vieira talk football West and rugby WA.
0: The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed, and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know, and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent, and up to date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, what you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. You're listening to Act Close of Business. I'm Matt McKenzie, here today with Isabel Vieira, to talk about sport for something different, particularly rugby and soccer. Are you a fan of those two sports, either or, Isabel? Well,
2: not particularly. I'm more of an AFL girl myself, but I thought it would be interesting to you know, have a, have a bit of a look into some of the less known sports in
0: WA for a change. Here's the thing about footy, whether it be rugby, soccer, AFL, if you want to win you've got to score more points or goals, depending on which code it is, than your opponents. It's as simple as that. That's what it boils down to. Sometimes people overcomplicate sport, (laughs) Isabel, You spoke to the new chief executive of Rugby WA. What did he have to say?
2: Yeah, so I spoke to Simon Taylor, who's just started his new role as CEO of the Rugby body. Um, He's a very experienced sports executive. He was previously at Netball WA and before that at Swimming WA and he spent the past two years uh, doing a bit of consulting for Paralympics Australia and University Sport Australia. He um described his new role as a bit of a double homecoming because he got his start in the sports scene over in Queensland. Um he spent more than a decade working in rugby there at a few different bodies and he also grew up with the sport, so he's definitely very familiar with the code and um yeah, is very excited to be taking on the new role.
0: Now this would be league or union or both?
2: Um this is union, so he'll be yeah, focusing on that and obviously we've got Western Force here in Perth so that's uh, all tied in with Rugby WA.
0: Now the claim here is that this will be rugby's golden decade that's a big claim
2: that is a big claim but that's what they're saying so last year the world rugby council announced that australia had been selected to host the men's world cup in 2027 and then the women's world cup in 2029 so they haven't announced which cities are going to host so perth is still in the running and they're definitely hoping that we're going to host at least one of the world cups so we'll see what happens there um but, yeah, rugby stakeholders are definitely going to be hinging uh, a lot of events and their programs off these you know, upcoming tournaments um, and definitely use that as a way to boost their participation in the coming years.
0: When you say hosting one of the World Cups, we're hoping to host one of the finals, are we?
2: Yes, yeah. Like a
0: grand final or like a semi-final or either?
2: I'm not too sure at the moment. Yeah, there's uh, not too much information They only they announced it last year. But, right. um, yeah, they're definitely hoping that Perth's in the running.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I suppose not being traditionally a rugby state, it would be a massive coup. But we know Tourism WA is always willing to put millions of dollars into these things, so perhaps they'll do that. Perhaps. So moving from one World Cup to another, the FIFA Women's World Cup is in Australia and New Zealand, I believe. This year, uh, there's a new taxpayer-funded stadium. Where people are going to be training, and you spoke to the boss of Football WA. What did he have to say?
2: Yeah, so I spoke to Jamie Harnwell, who's been in that top role for just over a year now, Um, and he said that soccer stakeholders collectively are very excited about the Women's FIFA World Cup. That's going to kick off in July, and in Western Australia, in Perth, we're going to be hosting five games that some of those international women's teams are going to be descending upon us for that and. um, Um, You know, one of the biggest things for Football West is the construction of their state football centre with a uh, $46 million price tag on it. Um, They're hoping to, once that's constructed in the coming months, to use that as a training ground for some of those international teams. So hopefully that'll be up and running before July. And um, yeah, that'll be pretty big for the sport once that's done.
0: But I understand the training Stadium, costs a bit higher than people first expected.
2: Yeah, so when they announced how much it was going to cost in 2020, they had a price tag of $32.5 million. So obviously it's gone up now to $46 million, and they only have a couple months to get it done and get the, the grass nice and green. Um, David Templeman said that, um, you know, it was due to cost escalation and construction issues, um, but he also said that, you know, they wanted to make they want to make it the best of the best if they're going to have these international teams and they're also hoping to use the stadium as a bit of a community hub once it's up and running but obviously that's uh, still a big price increase for um, for that stadium
0: that's code i think for scope creep when you say we want to have the best <laughs> of the best it's got to be the best stadium that's what happened with the, the big perth stadium you know that was that was built it was going to cost X and then they said, Oh, we want the biggest, uh, we want big seats and we want to have more space and cup holders and everything else. So that perhaps is the trend when people are building at the moment to having big cost escalations. Now, this stadium's down in Queen's Park.
2: Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. So,
0: what's the connection like to the rest of Perth, Isabel? I know you've taken a bit of interest actually into how a punter, a footy fan, gets to and from. The new stadium.
2: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it's still in a very populated area, but it's, um, you know, not exactly in the CBD either. The, um, the centre is going to have a capacity of up to 700 people that can go up to 4,000, but it's only going to have 171 parking bays on site. And, you know, some of those going to be used for, the, for players, media and the rest of it. And there's going to be four bus services going around the area. And then the closest train station is Cannington and Queen's Park, which are both 2.6 k's away. So it's not exactly a short walk. Um, You know, when we asked the Public Transport Authority, they said that there's no plans and no funding for new bus routes to the area. Um, There is some money put aside to upgrade the bus stops that are going to be in front of the stadium. But, um, you know, they also admitted that in the uh, Department of Planning Lands and Heritage Transport Impact Assessment, which is from 2020, you know, they deem the site as having good or excellent weekday bus services, but they also said the time between existing bus services during weekends was generally an hour or more, which could limit the effectiveness of bus connections to the site for weekend training and matches. So, you know, that could be an issue down the line. Um, We're not sure yet, maybe something will come up in the future, but Obviously, only having 171 parking bays for somewhere that's not that well serviced by public transport could be, could be an issue.
0: Now, I think you showed me a photo, actually, of the, the bus stops. And mm-hmm. Basically, it's just dirt. Mm-hmm. There's not even a seat or like a shelter or whatever. So good luck with that one. And, you know, the Perth Stadium was a, was a similar example. Or, or they refer to it now, I think, as the Optus Stadium in Burswood where uh, after the fact they kind of went, oh, well, actually we need to have a big new rail terminal here. And they spent, I think it was more than $100 million on building the new rail station uh, at the stadium and all of the bus links, too. So, obviously, it's not going to cost quite that much down no. in Queen's Park, but it goes to the point of sometimes with these things, you end up with all sorts of extra bills that you never expected.
2: Yeah, that's it. And they, you know, they are going to uh, be putting a bit of money towards special event buses and all of that in the meantime. So, we'll see how that works out. And the City of Canning Mayor. Uh, Patrick Cole also said that they're improving the pedestrian links between the facility and the existing bus stops um, as a part of the development so we'll see where that goes as well.
0: And I'm guessing all the games are going to be either at the big stadium or HBF Stadium or wherever.
2: Yeah, the FIFA World Cup yeah they're, they're not going to be held here they just this is just for the training ground.
0: Yeah okay mm-hmm. Now is soccer in general kicking goals? Is it a growing sport?
2: Yeah, well, according to Football West, it definitely is. Um, you know, their participation figures at the moment are over 100,000, um, up from 96,000 in 2020. Um, they're definitely hoping to leverage off this milestone year, as they're calling it. Um, so, you know, that would signal that they're a growing sport. And, you know, on Business News' data and insights list, they are they have increased um, on the list in their rank. So you could say that they're a growing sport. Obviously, WA favours AFL and a few other sports ahead of soccer, but they're definitely making their mark on the scene.
0: Uh, just to that, I mean, we've got the data and insights list there. Uh, can you just give us a bit of guidance? Where does soccer and where does rugby rank on that sort of a list? Because 100,000 people playing soccer would seem to be a quite a lot. I'm, you know, I'm guessing every young kid at school or whatever that kicks a ball would count in that.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the top three spots on the data and insights list have been maintained by racing and wagering WA, WA Cricket Association, and WA Football Commission for the past couple of years. Um, That's you know, ranked
0: by revenue, is it?
2: Yeah, that is ranked by revenue, not participation figures. But for a bit of comparison, the WA Football Commission, uh, according to them, they've over three hundred and sixty thousand participants, uh, so members to them. Um, you know, which is a Fair bit more than Football West, and then in fourth spot is Surf Life Saving WA, then Netball WA, and then comes in Football West, Um, and then after then we've got Hockey basketball, and then rugby, WA, followed by the rest of the codes. Hmm,
0: a lot of sports there. makes me feel like maybe I should get out on the weekend and do something other than just walking along the along the river, Isabel. Do you play any <laughs> yeah. sport?
2: Not anymore. I used to play a fair few back in the day. Better touch rugby, hockey, netball, the rest of it, but um, no, not, not so much time these days.
0: Really? An yeah. all-rounder. Isabel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Matt. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.